Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Carolina Newsmakers is back on the air. Our guest is the uh, House Majority Leader, John Bell. John, of course, lives in Goldsboro, North Carolina, represents District 10. He's a native of Mount Olive, which is nearby, of course, Goldsboro, a graduate of North Duplin High School and uh, UNC Wilmington, with a bachelor's degree in criminal justice and sociology. And uh, we, I, I could probably, I ought to be able to make some kind of a joke out of that, being that you're in the General Assembly, but it just doesn't come to mind right now. It wouldn't be fair anyway. John, <laughs> uh, you know, one of the things that uh, there's been a lot of discussion, not only this term, but in previous terms, is this issue of Medicaid expansion. A number of states have uh, signed on, a number of states hasn't, haven't uh, agreed to it yet. Uh, it's, it's an issue, as we were talking about in between breaks, it's got some pluses and it's got some minuses. Uh, and uh, it's, I'm sure it's uh, difficult for the members of the General Assembly to look at this issue and decide which way to go. Yeah, it's, it's one of those issues. It's not just a Republican or Democrat issue. Um, it, it, it crosses all party lines. It crosses, you know, whether you're conservative, liberal, et cetera, it crosses all lines because everybody wants to do what they can do to make sure that North Carolina has a healthy population. Uh, the state of North Carolina, uh, at this point in time, has chosen not to expand Medicaid, and I agree with that decision. If you look at what's happened in, in other states, you've seen um, major shortfalls uh, in, in the billions of dollars and hundreds of millions of dollars, which have crippled state budgets um, and, and have, have added, um, well, frankly, a lot of undue cost and fraud and abuse in the system. And in North Carolina, we work really hard to, to clean up our, our, our Medicaid roles. We want to people to, um, that need the help to get the help. But, um, but we had a, a large problem with um, fraud, waste, and abuse. And that's why our state has pushed forward with um, Medicaid transformation, which is starting to take effect right now as we speak. And hopefully that's going to crack down on cost overruns, but also the waste, fraud, and abuse, and uh, allow people to get the help they need. Uh, North Carolina overall, when you look at what is offered on, on, on the Medicaid rolls, North Carolina is very lenient and, and actually has a lot of coverages that most states do not. And so we're, we're, we're very friendly when it comes to Medicaid uh, and, and when, what it does cover. Uh, also on, on the Medicaid side, you, you've got to look at uh, our, our overview of um, is um, access to care. And, and that's where, in my opinion, the conversation really comes down. You know, you, you've got excellent facilities there in, in Wake County, uh, in Orange County, in Mecklenburg County. But what about the people in Pamlico County? What about the people in Jones County? How do we recruit and retain medical personnel and providers to come to our rural areas? Because uh, those folks, you know, need, need to take the same coverage and access to that care. And so you've seen the General Assembly uh, step up and expand access to telehealth. Uh, to allow people to to be able to to talk with uh, um, professionals, uh, to to talk with their, their providers, um, and that's another reason why we are making a big push to expand broadband and connectivity, so those folks can have that care right right in their home. Um, you've also seen a big push, and it was mentioned in the state budget, and it's going to be in the house budget, uh, the expansion of the Brody School of Medicine here at East Carolina and Eastern North Carolina. Uh, that would allow more providers. To, to, to join the medical profession with a lot of those staying right here in rural North Carolina. And that's the approach that we, we have to take on, on 
recruiting and retaining providers to come into our rural areas and so, and our urban areas to to get the best and brightest to that graduate from uh, the Brody School of Medicine or Carolina or Duke or Winston Salem to stay in our state and and figure out ways to affordably cover healthcare calls for folks that 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 need it. And for our, our working class folks, the folks that are paying for their health insurance, we need to provide them opportunities and options that are affordable so it doesn't bake, break the bank. John, almost everywhere you go these days, you see signs that say, now hiring. And I was in Moorhead City this week and a number of restaurants were actually closed on a, a day because they didn't have enough help, couldn't get enough help. Um, the... Uh, uh, federal government, of course, was has been generous with uh, supporting those who theoretically are out of work, but uh, may be working against us. What, what's the solution to this? Because we've got, and of course, we have a trouble. Uh, we're having trouble with our supply chains. We don't have enough truck drivers. I passed a, a truck that said, "Don't you want to drive a truck?" Uh, so we've got a lot of uh, jobs that are open. Uh, how are we going to get this, uh, this supply chain reopened and? How are we going to find enough workers to fill all these jobs? Well, we've got to get people back to work, and that's first and foremost a, a, a way to solve the problem. Uh, we put forth a bill that um, that the governor vetoed that eliminated the, the extra three hundred dollars. I think the average um, unemployment claim on the state side is, is about two hundred and twenty dollars here in North Carolina a week. You add the additional three hundred, uh, people are making over five hundred dollars a week, um, not working. And frankly, they, they're not forced to go out and, and, and try to find a job. And so, so j- just on my travel to Raleigh, and uh, you, know, you can go through on Highway 70 there at Wilson Mills, and if you look at the intersection, you've got the family dollar that's got job you know, hiring signs on the door. You've got the handy mart that's got hiring signs on the door. White Swan Barbecue has hiring signs on the door. Then you've got the digital billboard that's got three or four ads running to hire people. And then you've got a company that's placed yard signs out. In the, and that's just one intersection here in North Carolina. It's like that all throughout the state. Uh, we, we were talking about barbecue earlier. And uh, one of my favorite barbecue places, Adams Roadside Barbecue, has an Adams downtown barbecue location. And announced just last week due to supply chain issues and lack of uh, labor, they're going to have to close their doors. And that's sad because you have uh, a lot of businesses like this really trying to make it. Uh, they came through the pandemic and now we can't find people to go to work. And it's not just in the restaurant and hospitality industry. It's also an industry overall. Uh, when you look at a lot of our process and plants, um, so some of our companies in the state are 200 or 300 employees short. And, and these aren't just, just random jobs. They're actually really good jobs. A lot of careers are open. Uh, our construction industry needs people. Truck industry needs people. My medical personnel needs people. I, every industry in our state is uh, has been touched by this, and it's a major problem. And I hope that we're able to 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 override the, the governor's decision to veto this. Uh, it would take uh, 30 days for 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 the, the federal benefits to cease once we pass this legislation. And if we're unsuccessful in passing it, uh, I hope the federal government does not extend it come September because it's a major issue. Uh, all all across our state. And all across the country, apparently, as well. So I think we've got some other states that would join us in this effort, and we'll just have to see how that works out. But it is a shame for those who have already suffered to continue to suffer simply because they just can't hire enough uh, employees. 
Well, and I would encourage all, all, all your people, all your folks listening that, you know, there, there's jobs available all throughout the state and, uh, and, and great paying jobs, companies offering bonuses uh, to, to come work. And so if they're looking for a job, please, um, please get out and, and, and find the right job for you because there's a lot of available right now. Now, you live in a very interesting place because you're so, you're close enough to the triangle that you can see the growth and expansion that's going on in those areas. And yet a couple of the counties that you represent, Green and, and uh, well, Green particularly, and, and to some degree, the uh, eastern part of Wayne County uh, is basically very rural. And of course, uh, we've got some, what, 75 counties that are either flat in population or maybe even decreasing, where we got 20 or 25 counties that are growing just as fast as they can. Uh, how do we handle this? And how do you guys in the General Assembly uh, uh handle it because growth is wonderful but then the uh, the problems that the uh, state the areas that are not growing are also significant well well i like to talk about strategic growth and and i, I live on the western side of wayne county and we're already seeing the the overflow from from wake county in into the northern and western part of wayne county and um but we, we have to have responsible growth uh, and these are conversations I've had, not just with city officials and county officials here, but also with, with, with our friends in the city of Raleigh. Uh, you know, I, I want them to be successful and, and they want to grow and they want us to succeed as well. But, um, but when they grow and clear trees and build houses and roads and neighborhoods, um, that water runs off and, 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 and comes downstream. And I happen to be downstream. And, and so, <laughs> so, so we have to look at some of the strategic initiatives on how we grow responsible um, and have balanced growth in some of these areas so everybody's on top of each other. Um, the, the, the other thing that, that, that we need to do, and you're seeing it unfold right now, and you're going to see it unfold with the state budget, is really invest in our infrastructure a lot. And when we talk about infrastructure, we're talking water and sewer uh, connectivity. A lot, a lot of our, our water and sewer and um, treatment plants and pipes and, and lines were put down in the 40s and 50s, and some have been um, – band-aided over the years to, to maintain but but this is an opportunity with the art funds and the cares act funding and the surplus we have in the state budget to really take a, a really big step into making sure our infrastructure is sustainable for the next 40 and 50 years and i and if we're able to do that one uh, along with with planning for 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 growth even in our rural areas it's going to be a um a, a, a really productive and inviting um Thing for our state to do. Uh, we do have people moving in here. Uh, Johnston County, where uh, where I represent, and the county right next door to my home county, is the second fastest growing county in the state. Uh, you know, we're, we're watching people leave uh, some of our um, uh, more urban areas and move to rural areas. Uh, real estate market is hot everywhere in, the, in, in, in our state right now. You can't look at a county real estate listing and see multiple houses for sale because they're getting gobbled up left and right. And, and it's a good problem to have to be a growing and prosperous state. We just have to have responsible growth in, in, in the right areas. Well, a lot of folks will say, you know, we, we don't do enough to attract jobs. Well, obviously, we're doing a great job in the areas that are growing. Uh, but it, it's very difficult to attract uh, uh, plants and uh, industry to move to the more rural areas uh, because they have trouble finding employees. Um so that, that's not as easily said as done, but broadband may be one of the big solutions there. Well, and what you've seen uh, is actually um, 
I, I've looked into this a little bit, but I've seen a lot of small towns and, and not just uh, rural North Carolina, but other rural parts of the country saying, uh, you know, trying to recruit people to their area and say, hey, we'll give you a, a tax break if you buy a house in the area and, and stay for three years. Uh, we know a lot of people now are working remotely and, and they're working from home. And so they're trying to recruit people to say, hey, come to a slower pace of life and still keep your higher paying job and, and, and move to, to, to the rural, rural, rural country USA. And um, it, it's, it's been pretty remarkable, the folks that are leaving the larger cities and coming into rural areas because they're able to work remote. Um, the only way we can offer those opportunities to these people is to make sure that we have the broadband connectivity all throughout our state. And so, so you can live on the waterfront in Little Washington, but 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 be zoomed into your office in Charlotte, and uh, and so we're we're putting forth a major effort to do that as well. Well, the growth I, I've just uh, toured some areas in in and around Beaufort that are, are growing just like exactly the same way you're describing. It's people that are deciding that they can live in Beaufort or Moorhead City, Atlantic Beach, those areas, and work uh, remotely. Zoom and uh, that sort of thing is something that we've learned that it's been, I guess, uh, one of the uh, good things of COVID-19. We're cutting out a lot of business travel that uh, we're finding out maybe never was necessary in the first place. Well, I, I never thought I'd be on so many Zooms in my life. Uh, you know, we have, uh, I, I went from wanting to meet in person to now it seems like we're on a Zoom call every week. And, uh, you know, um, it, it's amazing how connected we are Um by being a part. Well, we're doing this interview by Zoom. And, uh, uh, you know, it's a time of convenience to those who are on the program. They don't have to drive to the radio station. They don't have to drive back. So it's a great convenience. And uh, then uh, they don't have to put it with all my conversation before and after the program. Right? That's <laughs> well, probably the... That's well, probably those the, are great conversations. And uh, I tell you, the uh, ability for, um, you know, to, to, to see technology unfold, uh, right before our eyes is it's something pretty awesome to watch. We've got one more segment to, to spend with Representative John Bell. And in that, we want to talk about the problems and the charge that the General Assembly will have to redistrict our state, to create that new congressional district, and the other redistricting is a part of it, and also the other legislation that is yet to come out of this session of the General Assembly. So we'll be back right after these messages with Representative John Bell here on Carolina Newsmakers. You stay tuned. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do. Uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting A Teenager Learning the Lingo. GOAT, G O A T, acronym, stands for Greatest of All Time, as in 
Spaghetti sandwiches for dinner? They're my fave. Dad, you're the GOAT. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Representative John Bell is our guest. Uh, another reminder about uh, this program. A number of stations carry the full hour broadcast. Uh, and then we have some stations that carry two segments of the broadcast in a half-hour version. If you happen to be listening to one of the radio stations that carries only the two segments, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear the other two segments. Or uh, you can listen to the entire broadcast or share it with a friend. That's carolinanewsmakers.com. Our guest this week is uh, Representative John Bell, who is the House Majority Leader. He represents uh, uh, Green, Johnson, and Wayne County. He's in his fifth term, and we've uh, talked about all sorts of good things so far. Uh, one of the big issues that the General Assembly will have, uh, and I'm, as far as I know, I, I don't believe there's been a great deal of work done on it yet, and that's this matter of redistricting, because because of, uh, in addition to the other concerns of redistricting, North Carolina will add a 14th congressional district, and that gives us a little bit more clout on the, on the national level. So, John, when, when will you begin working on the matter of redistricting, and how will that be handled? Well, we, um, of course, every 10 years, we're, we're um, duly told and, and constitutional mandated that, that we redistrict. And unfortunately, in North Carolina, it seems like we've been redistricting every year. Uh, over the last 10 years, we've been <laughs> yeah. out of court with, with different cases. But, um, but this is the year after the census that we do redistrict. Uh, we've been told because of the pandemic that um, the, the data for the redistricting has been delayed. And we should expect that sometime at the end of September. And so, so you'll see us uh, hopefully adjourn session um, with the state budget signed, and we will come back to a special redistricting session is what I'm thinking will happen probably the first couple of weeks in October. And during that time, we will take up um, redistricting for our congressional uh, districts and also our state House and Senate districts. Um, you did see a bill move through the General Assembly uh, to address the concern that a lot of our municipalities were having because um um, because of the delay in census data because, due to the pandemic, we had to pass legislation to delay um, elections in a, a lot of our municipalities that, that would have had it this year. And so we worked with our municipalities and, and, and the, the Board of Elections and, um, and, and tried to, uh, establish a, um, to try to establish a way that we could um, help them navigate through this because they didn't know whether to have elections, not have elections. Uh, or, or what to do. So um, that bill passed the House. But the overall redistricting, uh, you will see that unfold in October. It will be a lengthy process. Uh, and that's about all I'm going to say, uh, like, like, like I've joked before, and uh, but, but it's serious. Um, we don't talk about redistricting because, uh, one, we don't know what's going to happen or how it's going to play out. And, and, and frankly, anytime you talk about redistricting and have no clue what you're talking about, you you find yourself in a on a court stand having to having to testify in a redistricting case. So so I, so I'd rather not do that. And uh, and uh, so 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 we'll let redistricting play out in October in front of the general public like we've done for many years. Well, I certainly understand that. Let me ask you one question: because it's occurring so late, do you think there's a, a process a prospect that the general that the primary election will be delayed somewhat, in North Carolina? We hope not. Um, yeah. we're, we're hoping to get that data as quick as possible and do everything we can do 
to, 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 to move forward with the district process quickly, swiftly, and fairly, and I uh, make it as transparent as possible. So our hope is that, um, you know, we, we would not have to delay redistricting, uh, excuse me, um, d- delay elections, and that's our plan right now. Another issue that's uh, come to light, you know, we have all sorts of sort of sports-related things this year. We mentioned earlier in the program the name, image, and likeness situation that the uh, college athletics and amateur athletes in general are, uh, uh, those who are involved with that are facing. But we also have this issue of sports betting, which has come to the front. Uh, How's North Carolina going to address that issue? Um, It it's being worked on in the general assembly. We, we you know, I, I, I've joked with some of our my, my lobbying friends and said this is a lobbyist employment act of of, of this session. Uh, you, you've got the, the the VOTs and the gaming and, uh, and and how we navigate through sweepstakes and and DraftKings and FanDuel, and then you've got sports betting. And we've had um, all all sorts of um, celebrities come through the general assembly with the Carolina Hurricanes, the Charlotte Hornets, the um, uh, the, the Carolina Panthers, the, the PGA, uh, NASCAR, everyone's interested in how we do this. So, so we've got a uh, massive stakeholder process going on, and uh, hopefully we'll have some legislation roll out by the end of the um, – I was looking at the list of committees and commissions that you're on. One is called Legislative Research Commission. What does that commission do? Um I am on every committee in, in the house. And so, <laughs> so the, the speaker uh, has put me on every committee in the house. And when we look at the legislative research committee, it, it is how we navigate through the, um, the research process and bringing bills and, and, and issues and uh, situations that are in our state forward. And so uh, I'm proud to serve on that committee and, and you'll see that committee um, really get active when we're out of session. John, you know, we have what is called the rainy day fund in North Carolina, and it's because it's basically been used for weather-related uh, situations. Uh, most people think it the rainy day part refers to hurricanes and other disasters of that type. But it, uh, uh, interestingly enough, it's, it's to cover any downfalls in the economy. But this year, you're not going to have to tap it. As a matter of fact, you're going to be able to add to it. So how much money do you think you will be able to add to that rainy day fund that uh, really makes uh, the future of state government much more secure and safe? Well, well we like to keep it around at $2 billion, Mark. And, uh, of course, we have to, 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 to put back some money we use. Uh, you know, I want your listeners to, to know that um, we had two – Thousand-year storms hit uh, Hurricane uh, Florence and Hurricane Matthew. At the same time, we had uh, Hurricane uh, Michael, which turned into Tropical Storm Michael by the time it got to us. At the same time, we were dealing with uh, Hurricane Florence. Western North Carolina was on fire, uh, and and then we had snow and ice situations. So uh, a lot of the rain day reserve goes and help those natural disasters, but also it's a safety net that we were that, that we were going to have to tap into if we were dealing with a um, a, a, a downfall in, in the economy and a shortfall in our budget. So, so it's a nice little safety net to have. Uh, it's proven to be very useful and it's, it's protected our state. John, we, uh, I know you come from Mount Olive and of course Mount Olive is not only famous for uh, the college that's there, but also for Mount Olive Pickle Company. Uh, and we haven't touched too much on agriculture. What's happening in the terms of legislation that will affect the farmers and the uh, whole agricultural industry in North Carolina? 
Well, we, um, you know, agriculture is our, our largest economic impact here in the state. Uh, Commissioner Troxell's goal is, is to get it over a $100 billion economic impact to our state, and we're well on our way to do that. Um, we just had the Farm Bill come through the, the General Assembly, which which has some provisions there that would be beneficial to our farmers and, and looking at how we can, can use um, some of the biogas and pipelines to, for our hog farmers. And that was signed by the governor last week and, and became law. And so it's been a good session for our agriculture uh, industry at this point in time. Uh, hopefully we will um, not have any, it's, it's kind of interesting that we're sitting here during having this discussion while We've got a tropical storm Elsa going on, but hopefully we won't have any droughts or any, any major crop damage in our near future. And our farmers can actually, uh, our row crop farmers can, uh, can can have a sigh release and have a good crop this year. Um, with the um, the big a big concern that we do have on the agriculture front is the supply chain issues that we're seeing with our process facilities. There's uh, I, I talked to one company just last week that had 200 job openings with their processing. Uh, I talked to a family friend that, that's in the process of business and they have job openings. And so uh, ramping up those, those supply chains um, and, and, and make sure that uh, we feed a hungry world is, is key to our success, not just uh, in North Carolina, but all throughout the world. And uh, hopefully we can get the pandemic behind us. We can get the, um, the, the, the folks back to work and we can have a successful year for agriculture here in our state. Well, John alluded to the fact that we're uh, pre-recording this program, and so we are recording it on the day that the, the rains came, so to speak. Uh, and then uh, you mentioned the fact that uh, rain is a real concern. I was talking to Commissioner Troxler, and he said, you know, too much rain is uh, something we can't handle. We can handle drought easier than we can handle too much rain. So it is an issue for the farmer when we have as much rain as we've had. It, it, it is, and, and the corn crops and tobacco crops and soybean crops look beautiful right now. Um, but if this rain continues, uh, they, they will start drowning, and that becomes a, a, a major issue uh, here in the state. It's, it's one of the industries that you, uh, you know, it's, it's a very unique industry. Not only is it um, the industry that, that feeds our world, but it's one to where you, if you're a row crop farmer, you, you, you plant a seed in the ground and, and hope it doesn't rain too much or, or I hope it doesn't stay too dry, and you, you hope and pray to the good Lord that you have a good crop. COVID-19 issues still remain. We still don't have, uh, we're still lagging behind in the number of people who are vaccinated. What uh, do you see happening there? Anything that uh, we can do to push those numbers up? You know, the, the governor put forth a, a plan with, with the lottery. I, I was not in favor of that, but didn't have a say-so in it. Uh, he, he's trying to put initiatives out there. Uh, you're, you're seeing the, the Biden administration do that as well from the federal level. Um, vaccines are available to people that want it. And uh, if you want to get vaccinated, you have that opportunity. And I, I believe it's a personal choice. And I, I hope people um, make, make their choice, which is in the best interest of, them, of themselves and their family. I'm going to ask you an all-purpose question here. Uh, uh, legislation that is still uh, pending that... Uh, might affect the citizens of North Carolina that I haven't uh, had enough sense to ask the question about. So, so what's still so remaining one, on your docket? One that I'm very proud of is, uh, is North Carolina um, has, has passed into in law a, um, basically it's, it's an access to care issue that benefits uh, our friends and family with, with autism throughout the state. It, it allows providers to come into our state 
and, and help support our friends with, with autism. And that was signed into law about a month ago. And that was a, uh, a, a 10 year project bill that's been worked on by many stakeholders and uh, including my, my, my good friend, Senator Jim Perry and my other good friend, Senator Chuck McGrady, who led the charge for many years. And so I was glad to set a sign in the law. Uh, one of the big issues I'm working on is um, flood mitigation. Uh, here it is where we, we've talked about agriculture. We've talked about the, um, the, the tropical storm that's coming through. Uh, and but we've had major flooding issues, not just in eastern North Carolina, um, but also throughout the state. And so we're looking at investing some of the surplus money into projects, whether it's repairing dams and um, rebuilding and cleaning up creeks and rivers and streams throughout our state. And so you'll see that roll out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, another issue that we're working on, which uh, has gotten a lot better in our state, but it's something as simple as trash. Uh, our state got really trashy with uh, trash all over the sides of the road. And um, I'm very proud of the work that we've put in with uh, Secretary Boyette and the Department of Transportation, but we're cleaning up our our state. And so those are issues that you're going to see moving forward here in the next couple of weeks. You've left me with just the proper amount of time to thank you very much, Representative John Bell, for sharing your views and thoughts with us, and bringing us up to date on what's happening in the General Assembly. The program has been produced by Jason Kong, and we'll be back next week with another interesting guest from the same group of stations all across North Carolina. So until next week, same time, same station. Have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.